Welcome back to another exciting episode of the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm joined by the always bearded, always talking Josh and Luke Younggren, otherwise known as the Evolving Wild Twins. How are y'all? Uh, how y'all doing? Doing well, doing but you, well. Sean. I uh, I was going to say I on the topic of that. I saw something on uh, Reddit today about how. Um, let me see if I can go find it because really quick. Um, that had to do with uh, some study or something about um, how the the fastest talking states, uh, and it was from I, I'm trying to find the source here because it was just a link. Fastest yeah. talking states. Yeah, like the like fa- most words per minute. Yeah, and it, this is just a screenshot I saw, so I'm, I was going to try to find the article, but um, is it New York? No, uh, it is Minnesota. <laughs> uh, according to this, which I. I maybe while we're talking about this, it says the fastest talking state is Minnesota at five point three four syllables per second, and the slowest talking state is Louisiana, which kind of makes sense. Like the southern states talk a little slower, right? Um, but I thought it was really interesting because the it was on a, a subreddit. It was the Minnesota subreddit actually, which I look at occasionally here and there. Um, and it was people were talking about how when they've gone out of state, how people comment on it, but when you're in state, no one notices um and i was laughing because luke and i i think are known as a bit of fast talkers sean has mentioned it here and there um but i'm not sure if uh uh yeah so i found it this is on the greenville news which i believe is i'm I'm assuming this is in south carolina because it's about how south carolina is the slowest talking state based on this study um or no it's second slowest um, but it's kind of a weird study. It basically, according to Preply or P Reply Preply, um, it looks like that's who did the study. Um, data analyst for Preply, yeah. So ten fastest talking states: Minnesota, Oregon, Iowa, Kansas, North Dakota, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, South Dakota, Nebraska, Vermont. It's kind of a funny. What's well, the upper? It's, it's the northern. It's the states. upper mid upper upper U.S. or the northern U.S. and then the east, like kind of. Yeah, that's like New England. How? And then, what was the difference? I didn't see it. They didn't have like. What's the next? Like, how many syllables are we talking below? So Minnesota? it's Minnesota, fastest talking state at five point three four syllables syllables per second. Hell yeah! And the average is five point oh nine. So I mean, it's not a big range here, right? But the slowest talking states: Louisiana, South Carolina, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia. So the southern states. Yeah. But it says ten most talkative states, which is different. That is New York. Number one is New York. That comes up. And then number Sean's two is shaking, yeah, his New, head, yes. number two is California, New Jersey, Nevada. So and then the least talkative states, number one, Iowa, number two, Minnesota, number three, <laughs> Wisconsin, number four, Oklahoma. So Hold on. so if you put those together, you have Minnesota is the fastest talking and they say the least, yes. right? So Minnesotans don't want to they want to get it out That's of the way. That's what everyone is joking, is that yeah. when you're outside in the cold, you have to talk very quickly. You talk quickly, you get it over with, you get on your way. Yeah, but anyway. Um, uh, I didn't it, see that part of it, because it was just a screen grab. Anyway, I thought to, that was to start silly. the uh, our talking podcast off. Right? Yes. But so I, I saw a comment, which is, I don't do this, but I think some people, and shout out to, well, not shout out, but I, I would assume that there are people out there who put, listen to our podcast at like one, one half speed or 1.2 speed. I don't know, Sean, if you ever listen to stuff that way. Like, if you speed up just to get through stuff. No, I never really got the advantage of that. I was like, ah, oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't ever under, understand why people do that unless they just want to consume as much, you know, more content throughout the day. And so they just want to, you know, I don't really feel like I have enough content to justify 
needing to listen at one and a half speed or 1.2 speed. But people in the comments were saying when they got to their Canadian hockey podcast that they had to uh, slow down. They they went back to normal speed because I think Canadians also talk quickly. I would I would think that Canadians, I think Minnesotans and and New Englanders have a, you know have kind of a more similarities with it's the a Canadian. very different backgrounds luke no i know but i'm saying that the border states to canada are going to be have some more similarities to canadians than i wonder you know. if there's a fastest talking canadian provinces <laughs> anyway we spent no, way too we way too long on this just thought it was kind of interesting considering that we i have been told that i talk very quickly and i have also uh you know we also run a podcast that we talk a lot in so i thought it was and, on on topic and for anyone who was at our uh at c hacker watched it uh, sean remembers this we said up front that we were going to try and talk as fast as we possibly could <laughs> um which is kind of a joke but i think afterwards i think it actually i wasn't thinking about that but then afterwards i saw brad who runs natural statric comment about how we actually did talk as fast as humanly possible yeah at the episode, which so. is which is funny, but um, anyway, we yeah. uh, we kind of took a break this <laughs> took a break this weekend from watching hockey to watch the uh, basically the Super Bowl of Ultimate Super Smash Brothers Ultimate competitive Ultimate, uh, which Sean I'm Genesis sure knows. Genesis Nine was a tournament that happened this past weekend. So if people follow us on Twitter, they know that we are big fans of the esport Super Smash Brothers in its competitive. You're by Smash, Sean. No, we've been over this. Have we been over this? Yes. It's been a bit though. You haven't played since we were last over this. <laughs> anyway. I haven't played video games. Period. Wait, anyway. ever? You're not a video games like no, even no, when you're no, kid? no, no, no. Like recently, like at okay, least yeah. I have not touched my PlayStation, which got corrupted at one point. I just probably need to get a PS5 if I'm ever going to play video games again. Uh, I haven't touched that since like the start of hockey season. Yeah, yeah. we don't we the, we don't play video games really either, other than Smash, no. Smash Ultimate, and it's really funny because it's like. I don't know why or how I got into competitive like esports, but it is super interesting. And there's actually a lot of like data questions and data problems uh, with it in terms of like determining who the best players are and stuff like that. Well, there was it, a presentation it, yeah. at um, it was at one uh, of the uh, one, it Rochester. Was Rochester. That Ritzak 2018 on yeah. the Legends. And yeah, and I thought that was very interesting. And I have um, I will do this every now and then as just like a, an aside, just to kind of I've done this with Magic the Gathering cards to rank strength of magic gathering cards in a draft but anyway it just Sean doesn't know either i don't think. anyway so <laughs> i was just mentioning that because we Sean's didn't watch... not a nerd you know yeah That's he's not a t- <laughs> full-blown nerd you know over here doing data no, analysis I, on it's, magic the it's a really interesting because and you can think about this so it's it's kind of a, a st- stats area that i think is fascinating because there are in any game but in smash for instance there are individuals who play one-on-one in brackets usually against other individuals and you have a standard kind of you know into top 64 into top 32 blah 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 um into a bracket and then you but you also have and so you can from that you can if you get enough you know data you can kind of do a similar thing that like what a you know are are like an rpm model would do or it would be like in their situation a lot of times it's like more like elo or glico which is the standard kind of chess rating system um, for you know one-on-one skill-based games, but there's also the issue with different regions, which is kind of interesting and a little bit comparable to like say prospects in hockey, because you have to account for like the different strength of the, the different strength of the, the of environment the they're playing in. So the the biggest regions are the North America and then um, Japan. Japanese competitive Smash is really big, and they're the players from Japan are really good. But then there's also Europe and uh, France has a big scene. Anyway, 
Doesn't matter. Anyway, just it it's, was. It's yeah. kind of an interesting thing. You know, we we like to take a break from doing some hockey work every now and then and do some although I sports work. <laughs> I did watch the Arizona Coyotes, the actual, the absolute goat, Vimelka, take down the Golden Knights last night. I, my... <laughs> yeah, I saw you guys were you're cheering them on. Oh yeah, hell yeah, you're I was cheering them on for your fantasy there were, team. That there was were funny. A, a lot of instances of people falling over in that game, and I wanted. I was telling Josh to go clip them, <laughs> but he didn't want to go clip them. Wow, so. several of them were. I have a on our. I haven't done this again. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, advertise this once more. If you see a player innocuously fall over, um, just let me know, and you can at either us or at uh, at falling hockey. It's called. Yeah, uh, is I love that that handle <laughs> that that handle was still available on Twitter. Yeah, and just at me. I would love to clip more. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the games have been either like non ESPN games, so I can't. I don't have or like local wild games when we watch the wild fall over a lot, or they make their other teams actually hockey players if you really stop and watch fall over a lot yes which makes sense because it's on the ice but um there were some good clips but i have a a, a rule that it's not i will not share a video or a clip of someone falling over if it was because of a penalty so there were some, several good falls but they were results of a penalty or trips or interferences yeah. but but uh yeah um i don't know i arizona's i didn't I don't think I've seen a game where they're wearing those jerseys that they've had on. They were new, right? That was the debut, I thought. Oh, yeah. was it the debut? Okay. Yeah, I think so. They were slick. They yeah, were that... really... I liked them a lot. I don't know if Sean probably didn't tune in for the Arizona-Vegas <laughs> Golden Knights game last night. I was out in Boston. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. Other than, like, I mean, the big news this week, obviously, is the Canucks uh, handling of Boudreaux, uh, which was atrocious and... Not what sure what the hell they're doing. Um, well, I mean, with, that was the only news, really, right? I mean, yeah. like, I don't know. Sean probably did a little bit of looking into what was going on last week, but that seemed like every day that was the main story, right? It was that and uh, Provorov, right? Oh, yeah. 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 I think then, Provorov was this week, or this past week. It, it felt like a long week, but I'm pretty sure that was uh, the 17th uh, against Anaheim. Um I yes. could be mistaken there. And then um uh oh and then the SB Nation news. That was yeah. big. Which shout out to all our friends. Um I didn't quite I was going through it and I didn't quite understand how many people we know that were writing for SB Nation and the number of people who've helped us throughout the years who've written for the SB Nation blog. So if people aren't aware, um Vox Media decided to basically shutter their whole hockey content except for was like it like six six sites? Six sites. So mm-hmm. um, it sounds like it's not like they're taking the domains down or like taking the content offline, which is really good because there's a lot of great resources in the very, you know, I mean, a lot of people got their start at, on various SB Nation sites. So it sounds like that's a, a plus, but they're not they're no longer monetizing those sites um, or paying anyone or paying. And they, they like fi- basically fired. They notified that that. Uh, I, th- I think SB Nation employees would be terminated more or less, um, or, or stop just no the longer. The contracts end yeah. as of like the end of February. Yeah, I just don't know what they're doing with the ads. Like, uh, yeah, do you get rid of the ads, or are they just going to be keeping the ads here? I, they're probably just going to keep the ads and then keep the money for themselves and not pay anyone. They're going to basically profit off of the prior work that people did, probably for too little money, while people go back and reference those articles and they'll just leave it up. Because I mean, it's. Like the hosting, like their entire network, I'm sure that they have the infrastructure to keep like those websites running. Like it's probably you know. It's I would just... assume that the 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 expense is more on the the 
human side than it is on the server side. I mean, I would think like because ob- I mean, obviously, if they're not taking the site down, then it's not like a, a matter of cost, which would make the most sense. But I don't know. It's I'm just kind of curious what because how long has Vox been? Was it always Vox involved with the SB Nation stuff? No, they bought them. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can look this up right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, it's a it's a kind of a travesty, really, I think, for hockey media coverage and just for now, granted, I think there's been a kind of a long history. And this isn't just specific to SB Nation because there were other like the Nation Network, for instance, there were like when I don't even know if they were kind of still functioning. I think there's still one or a few of them out there. Um, but I think it's just a kind of writers being underpaid for a lot of work, more or less, is like kind of what a lot of SB Nation was anyway. It looks like um, they also like basically kind of wiped out the uh, Major League Soccer sites as well. Um, so it was both hockey and soccer, um, which is, you know... like MLS, like, I don't know where it came from. I saw it like secondhand, but I guess like MLS actually came out and said something about it. Oh, really? Um, yeah, like it got like league attention. I mean, I it's... Where the exactly? thing is that, like, we, I went on my first podcast. This is back when I we were one person, <laughs> uh, and it was Tony Abbott and Joe uh, Bully, I believe. I, I think, yeah, yeah. And they were running the uh, Hockey Wilderness site, which is the Wilds uh, SB Nation site, and they actually gave us our first, you know, kind of podcast appearance was the Hockey Wilderness podcast. Um, and I know a lot of people who kind of got started up, like. Um, there's the Arctic Ice Hockey, which is the Jets, like Garrett Hole, and well, and then Broad Street Hockey was and like Broad where Street Hockey. You could um, maybe point to that as like the foundation of modern stats with Tolsky's work there. Um, I mean, in a way, the, well, a lot like of the popular the jersey had Ryan Stimson, yeah. too. Yep. and popularizing it. I know um, Berkshire, Andrew Berkshire, wrote for what Habs Eyes on the Prize. Um, yeah, but then old. Copper and blue, yeah, and then that, pen, was pen, that what it was? Mm-hmm. The Edmonton one, and then pension plan puppets too. Also had like, oh have, yeah, Cam. Yeah. Uh, did so, are they? They're SB Nation, right? What pension plan puppets? Yeah, I think yeah, yeah it's the Maple Leafs uh, site. So there's just been a lot of really kind of foundational work that was actually, you know, the platform was the SB Nation site. So it's a really big bummer um, to see them kind of no longer supporting those because I do think that they had a lot of engagement and there were a lot of writers. Um, and a lot of writers who like used our stuff that would like, you know, when would come up and like that we would meet like that, I, you know, wouldn't know. And they would, you know, find the stuff we provided very valuable for them when they were writing, which has always made me feel really good. Cause it's like, you know, that's kind of what we do this for is for people as a resource for people can, to kind of explore things they like. And, you know, as a way for them to, as an outlet for them to kind of enjoy hockey in their own way. Uh, and then they can kind of express that on a platform and those platforms no longer exist, which is a really big bummer um, for those, you know, people. And I think specifically for team coverage as well, because I think with like kind of the decline of standard, you know, historical journalism and newspaper writing and beat writers and whatnot, a lot of the, I know not every one of the SB nation sites had kind of beat writers, but a few of them did, or at least were, um, you know, kind of more involved. I did in, it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in hockey coverage. Right. And so like, you know, is it cup of chatter? Is that the Boston one? Um, yeah, stay in the cup of chatter. Yep. Yeah, and, and then I I just saw also like some of the more undercover teams like the Panthers. There were Panthers fans saying like, "Oh well, we lost another media site." You know, it's yeah. basically like completely like all being centralized in the hands of these giant corporations, and you know they're kind of all just oh well these smaller you know journalist 
kind of platforms don't, you know, they're not making us any money, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Also, the Ice Garden, you know, yeah, loss I, of women's hockey coverage. That's, that's is, a big loss. Which is huge. Um, just, I know, we had Mike Murphy on the podcast and the work he did and the other people at uh, the Ice Garden for covering the women's game. And, you know, it's just, it's a huge loss um, for a lot, for that specifically, but then also for the other sites and just team coverage in general. It's just a, a big bummer. Um but it sounds like the Ice Garden, I mean, Mike was tweeting about how they're going to try to keep going. Um, but yeah, it, it's just a big loss, I think, overall. So I'm hoping that uh, the writers that were involved can, I don't know, get picked up elsewhere. Maybe there's another network that might pop up or something. I'm not sure entirely. And we're, I, I think that we're hoping to, like down the line, this has been a long-term goal, is to kind of have more content on our site. Because right now, as a lot of people know, we don't really host a lot of articles, even though the site has plenty of uh it's it was made to host articles uh in a way um and our only writer is really sean uh <laughs> at this point and then me once we will be i think we're gonna have maybe start to kind of uh and this will be news i think tomorrow or something but have like maybe here and there some guest posts from from people who are interested so i guess i maybe i could just shout this out now if, if you're if you think you have like an idea um, that you'd like, maybe like to pitch or maybe something that we could host on the site, we'd love to kind of work with you or you know listen to any ideas that you'd have because um, that's something that we've kind of I think has been a goal of ours is to host more content and like have more written stuff on the site. But I think with our uh, having to just maintain the stats side of everything, it, it it gets it's a lot of work there. And so as a lot of people know who are involved, Sean uh, obviously knows this as well. Um, it's it's not a it's not easy to manage these kind of sites and have content that's like you know regularly regularly updated yeah. and whatnot. But well, enough, it's a it's yeah. a big undertaking to have editors and have things approved and to vet our you know writers and to you know manage comments and whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a big loss and um, you know. I don't know. Shouts out to everybody who did all and all yeah. the work they did, and and Steph, Steph Driver specifically yes. also who who put in so much work there as well. So, um, but yeah, it it wasn't really a fun week because then yeah, like what we talked about the the Canucks, you know, I I I, I don't know how much we can say that hasn't already been said. I will say but. that of any wild coach that I ever or really any coach, I thought Bruce Pedrow was always the most entertaining and seemed like the nicest, most genuine coach that i've ever seen interviewed like in in a game well, uh yeah and or I in, mean, you know there was coaching a team and by all accounts i mean a lot of it is i think coaching evaluation is always a little tricky and it's not something that's maybe as kind of locked down as some of the other things but um like i remember when i was younger those you know those ducks teams that he coached back you know when getzloff and perry were in their prime and like 10 years ago or so like were terrifying as a while like whenever like you'd run through that california gauntlet right but uh, the Ducks specifically for a couple years there were – so it, it's just interesting that, like, I don't really know what – and now they're deciding to go with talk, Rick Tockett as, like, for – I think they extended him through the 24-25 season, I want to say, right? Um, I don't know how that's an upgrade, like, at all. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. The whole situation is – and I don't know. It – I I don't know. It, it they're they're kind of just a disaster. Like I tweeted out about. Well, we talked week. about last week about how much they've been underperforming, right? Uh, like uh, that yeah. was a topic that we touched on last week. Well, yeah, it's been going on now for like two weeks because there's been rumors about Boudreaux and and then there was the thing, right? They kept him on more or less for like through the tough part of their schedule, right? Isn't that wasn't that kind of what came out? Is like and he even brought it up, I believe. Was how well he said <laughs> that they're basically laying they're they're letting him go right before like Chicago, Columbus, and Seattle. Oh yeah, uh, but I mean Seattle's a good, really good team. So 
I don't know. <laughs> that I think was he just meant Columbus and Chicago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to basically allow the new coach to have some easy potential wins. Now watch Chicago. Chicago's been on fire though, right? <laughs> then they go like six and one in their last seven or something. I saw. Yeah, and well, the, and the Columbus overtook them in the Bedard race. Well, I mean, the Canucks might just be kind of uh, you know climbing the Bedard race uh, rankings here, right? Chicago has fell. I think now it's Anaheim. I, I think in, oh, the, yeah. in the top spot is what I was saying. Because they have just been god awful this year. I mean, it's um, a, we're just going to say this every single episode is like you'd be in awe of how bad some of these teams are, you know? Yeah, but but it was it, with the Canucks. I, I think the the press conference with like ownership right or whatever was just like it didn't make any sense, and now they're just like kind of still talking about the same thing where they're trying to do a quick rebuild or whatever. And I mean, but like we've already kind of talked about this, but like they they're not a team right now that's in the ability. They don't have the ability to rebuild, right? I mean, like what? How are they going to rebuild? I, I don't know. It just doesn't really they, make... They don't. Retool. Yeah. Yeah, because, yeah, I don't know. Well, you need a tool to retool it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, they still have Pedersen, obviously, who's very good still. But, like, they're, I don't know, arguably, they're two of their better players this year, if arguably not their two best players. Well, Pedersen's up there, but, like, Kuzmenko who's, and Horvat are up for new contracts after this. And I was just like, if you look at, you know, we've kind of already talked about this, so I don't want to, you know, go... I don't want to belabor this too much, but, like, you know, they have like several players signed long term on like four plus million dollar deals. You know, Besser has another like three two years. Pedersen's up after next season, but like JT Miller's contract. Is Pedersen an RFA or you Yeah, he's RFA? an R- he's an RFA uh, after the twenty two. <laughs> Watch Pedersen like hold out. Yeah, the like... 23-24 season. And then, you know, they still have like they signed Connor Garland almost five million. They have Mikheyev four point seven five. Do you think you think like we're getting to a point where like players are going to be requesting trades out of Vancouver? Like is that are we at that Point now. Well, all the reporting was that the players were not happy with it. Yeah, it sounded either. like the players were extremely unhappy about how they treated Yeah, Boudreaux. Russo said like one of the players like literally was just crying his eyes out. Yeah. I mean, like the th- Luke Shen said it after the game on Saturday, which also like completely like bizarre scene like that we've never seen, right? Where like yes. a coach knows going into these last two games that he's like getting fired anyway. The Canucks are like still trying to deny it which is just odd and you know like you're talking to players post game about like your coach getting fired right <laughs> yeah and your coach isn't fired yet yeah and you know like luke shed i think like first of all like great professional like well done interview but he was like sometimes you do lose the room and he's played for like a billion teams right but like <laughs> this just like wasn't what happened here yeah like the Sometimes you do need to shake up, like, I don't know. The argument maybe for getting rid of Boudreaux is, is maybe there, but, like, to just drag him across the ground, I think, was, like, what was wrong. Because, yeah. Every, yeah. like, we're a little bit more out of the market, right? But I think everybody in the market, and anybody that would, especially, like, Boudreaux, who's going to be in the know, in the circle, knew that he was gone, like, in November. Yeah. Right? And there have been talks about, and Rutherford was actually pretty honest with the fact that he's looking for his replacement the entire time. And he's just being transparent about it too. Like, yeah, you're going to look for a replacement probably, I guess. Um, you could go the interim route, which the questions sort of seemed to be avoided and just said like Bruce Boudreaux is under contract. And I think it was just, that was a cop out, but you know, like this was like a longer saga than what the attention is getting to it's just the fact that everybody has known for the last two weeks of who the replacement is 
and roughly when they're coming in and then the replacement goes on national television and like him and the desk are like laughing about like him just getting the job right and like yeah bruce boudreau has to like sit back and eat it and like took it like extremely professionally and yeah i mean like you yeah. said like one of the most genuine people in yeah. the sport whether he's a good or bad coach or not like just to treat him poorly is like the whole point yeah, yeah. well and, and the other thing too i think it's odd is that like like sometimes you would hear about like coaches you know were like like you they would know more than anyone else you know like fans or journalists maybe or whatever right and, the, and sometimes you would hear about a coach getting wind of it and then like the, there'd be kind of a quick firing of the coach where like they were supposed to play out a couple games but like they because they didn't want that publicity to get out they were then let go and then interim went in i think this happened i want to say with like mike yo well the wild, the, when but, the wild when the wild got or they fired uh boudreau i think it was that was more of a kind of quote-unquote lost the room situation where I think the Wild were playing pretty poorly, and and there were also some conflicting factors with like the locker room with like Parisi yeah. and Suter's control over a lot of the situation. And there's and, a like, lot of rumors, but anyway, but it what was I was just, saying is that it, it's like usually a team is not going to let this kind of thing get to the point where the fans know <laughs> that this is happening, right? Like maybe journalists will catch wind of it, but then you have like I like the thing you said, Sean. It's like I've never seen a situation where literally everyone in the arena knows that this coach that they like is getting fired, and the fans are like cheering on the coach who's about to be fired like the next day it was just absurd and i have no idea how a professional sports organization could let it get to the point where this actually happens because then you have like you have like forbes writing articles about this right like i saw articles that were on like you know it like on pti it made it on yeah. fox yeah fox it's like, five it's in like, like dc or something yeah it's yeah which was hilarious that clip was really funny Did yeah you that say? was funny <laughs> But yeah, it, it is kind of funny. Cause I've I never was just, heard so. Like, we I thought we pronounced stuff wrong, but every single name was mispronouncing. It was so <laughs> funny. But um, anyway, it was. Uh, I was just thinking about like, I mean, why would any player want to play for the that Canucks organization? Yeah, like why would they like if you're trying to re-sign Pedersen? Like that's like your you know Keystone whatever player. Like that's your. He top. was kind of the Pedersen whisperer too. Like people forget yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. But like he was struggling the couple years before Boudreaux came in, right? Yeah. And then, like, there's even clips of, of you know, practices where he's just, like, because I think Pedersen speaks more to, like, a calmer, um, like, encouraging voice. Yeah. Like, that's Pedersen's MO. And, like, he, like, really brought Pedersen back to who he is. I think Pedersen's been playing extremely well this season despite his team like not being good yeah yeah and last season i think he finished off quite strong as well well now like right I mean, like you know the, the horvat situation he's like a free agent right now right like i i don't i can't imagine that he's going to be you know trying and it, maybe he wasn't going to sign with the canucks again anyway like he but, wasn't going it, to anyway yeah i, they, they I, picked I JT. yeah i, that's be, true, I bet yeah. that they're like the rfas who went through this on the canucks are basically going to be like they're like no and i'm not they're going to do the kachuk they're going to tell the organization, no, I'm not signing. Either you trade me or I'm going to hold out. Yeah. And there's a, I mean, they have a couple, but the thing that's actually more startling comparing like the Canucks to a lot of other teams that they still have, like, you know, I mean, they obviously just signed 
JT Miller, his contract starts next year. They have Quinn Hughes still on the books for another like six. I mean, I don't want to say that like that's bad. I mean, Quinn Hughes is a very good player, but and then OEL, they still have five years, have four <laughs> oh, years of no. OEL after this. Well, yeah, and, like, what's even the coach Tyler, Tyler Myers has got six six million left next year. What I mean, so, what's the coach supposed to do when you're like playing the, that bottom of your lineup like that? I yeah, mean, I don't. And then the goalie Demko plays the way he did to start Which, the season. That like, is that's really unlucky. And I yeah. I think you know we've talked we've already I feel like we've talked about this a lot, but. I don't know. It just seems like Canucks are not like you hear, you know, and obviously it's just like the standard kind of, you know, organizational like GM ownership discussion about how, you know, to try and encourage fan, you know, like, I don't know, like support and all this stuff that you hear from every team. But like the Canucks specifically feel like uh, in a especially bad situation where they're not just going to all of a sudden retool. And, you know, they're not going to start having Tyler Myers and OEL play like, you know. You can't win with them in your no. lineup. And you have four more years of, of OEL and two more years of, or, you know, or, or I think a year left of Myers. I don't know. It's just like, I and then now you've lost basically, at least right now, like a huge, uh, any kind of support from fans about the, you know, the, the organization. And now you have Rick Tockett, who coached, what, for three years in Arizona? Or I don't know how long he was, um, you know, how many years he actually co- ended up as a head coach. I think it was three in, three in Arizona three in Tampa Bay. That sounds right. And I, you know, this is nothing against Rick Toggett. I think like Arizona was like, you know, their own thing. I mean, it's not like the, you know, it's not Rick Toggett's fault that Arizona wasn't particularly great. Although I think that may have been when they were still kind of in playoff hunt around when he was coaching. Cause not that like, like late two thousands. I could be wrong. I, I don't, or early. No, I thought that was early. No, it was more or less teams. recently. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I, it just, yeah, I, the whole thing is There's a mess. There's not much more to say about it. I know. Everyone's, has, right, everyone's been covering it, so it's like, you know, what else do we have to say about it? But I guess I the only thing I'll say is... Inside pitch here. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, the only thing I think is interesting is, like, kind of from their roster construction is, like, where, like, does, you know, Kuzmenko, does he stay with them? Does he go, you know, I mean, I think he's an RFA. I don't know. He's an interesting player. Um, no, he's a UFA. He's so high on him, I think. What? Oh, yeah, the deadline. He He's a deadline guy. Sell high, too. Yeah, so I don't know if they go if they join the tank uh, brigade this season and just say this is a lost season. They might like you know. Just Man, keep the trade Jenko deadline up. this year is going to be. It could be a lot of fun. There could be a yeah. lot of funny trades that happen where, you know, like I think. But if, it could be tough. It could be tough with the cap. Yeah. Yes. It's going to be an odd one because of the cap. Like, you know, who? It, it's difficult because it's like the everything revolves around like when players come back as well from injury it's like the vegas situation last year except it's for like everybody right like jake debrusque for example is the only player on ltir for the bruins and he's gonna come off very soon he started skating today or tomorrow um like so there you're out of your ltir bucket and you're like basically pressed up against the cap and i think yeah the abs will have a difficulty with like guys coming back from LTIR in season like unless you're really cap circumventing like yeah <laughs> which which maybe we might see more of right I would expect Tampa will try to try that <laughs> yeah. and Vegas um, but I don't know maybe we could uh take a break here because we're we're past our half hour mark here and yeah we could maybe talk a little probably bit probably spend more. more time on the connects than we intended to but it is kind of it's uh it's it's frustrating to say the least I think yeah but anyway well, I guess we will go to our brand new sponsor this week. Um, we don't have a good. Uh, we don't have a new sponsor. Okay, um, <laughs> we're gonna take a break, and we'll be back to talk some hockey after this.
The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL Goals Above Replacement, Regularized Adjusted Plus Minus, Skater Contract Projections, Visualizations, Charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. Thank you so much to our lovely sponsor for that um, incredibly informative message. So we're back for the second half of the podcast. And I thought it would be funny to check in last week because we talked about bubble teams last week. <laughs> yes. Right? And I think you know where I'm going with this. The Oilers now have won six straight. And we had them as a bubble team. Um, and now they have one second going quickly to the page. Uh, in the uh, point projections part of the site, uh, as of when we're recording here on Monday night, they have a 94% chance to make the playoffs. Um, well, that turned no longer. Sean's about to, no Sean's longer about to say, what do, you have to, what do you have to say about that? Actually, I don't remember what we said. Who said what about the Oilers? I, Sean I said, said that they in. would make it in. I think you guys might have had them out. I, I was like, I yeah, they're just going to get in. <laughs> Remember, um, I said though any prediction I made was because of my concussion. It oh didn't... yeah, that was the reason. Yeah, yeah. yep. <laughs> yeah, you're having concussion like uh, symptoms. In Florida, uh, they took uh, seven of eight points last week. Although they are losing right now um, to the Rangers, heading into the third, they're down three to one. Um, but the Panthers all of a sudden look a little bit better. They're at sixty-seven point eight percent, and the Capitals are looking like the odd team out. So it just shows. I think Luke said it, or Luke's given this warning like a couple of times now, um, that bubble teams can change really quickly and it just becomes volatile, yes. uh, game over game, which does make it more fun to follow as as you go along. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we will have some ebbs and flows in that said bubble teams won't just like make their way in. The Avalanche are also on like a five game winning streak. I know people were starting to eventually get concerned about them, uh, but with Valden Chushkin back, especially, I don't see any of them, <laughs> any of that stopping attention. They're their best player back. I mean, yeah. Look, I was going to say though, back to Edmonton, looking at there, and I, we already talked about them, but they're like just looking at on uh, evolvinghockey.com, they're like expected goals above replacement, like chart their team chart. Um, it's just hilarious how. Lopsided. Yeah, it's McDavid, Drysaddle, and Hyman with a little bit of RNH. Uh, Bouchard's been pretty good. Uh, but like a been lot good. of, it's funny. Like McDavid, he's like the value that they've gotten on the power play is insane this year. Yeah. Like it's just, I mean, I, I haven't looked exactly on like who has the most power power play, like Gar or whatever. But um, uh, it's Drysaddle followed short, uh, very closely by McDavid. <laughs> yes. Um, which is, Which, I mean, not all that different than last year, where although uh, Drysaddle uh, last year in expected goals above replacement power play offense had like th- uh, three times almost. It's, the, the, it's really funny looking at this. Uh, of the top five, basically, well, seven top uh, players in our XCAR model, the power play offense added, they are all negative in EVD. Quite a bit, uh, except for Pasternak, who is a little bit above uh, replacement there. But it's basically you're looking at all players, not just Edmonton. I'm looking at all players here. It's Drysaddle, McDavid, clear at the at the top, and then Tage Thompson, um, Zach Hyman on Edmonton, and then Drake Batherson on Ottawa, and then it's like 
Pasternak and Shabbat, uh, which is it's just funny because it's like we talked about player types before. Um, <laughs> well, and if yeah, I mean, not to completely derail what you were saying, Luke, but uh, if you if we also on Edmonton, if we just look at um, the power play uh, wrap em numbers for teams, uh, <laughs> just looking at goals for per 60, the top team is Edmonton at 4.4 goals for per 60 on the power play. The next team is the Stars at 1.98. <laughs> So there's like literally like almost a three goal differential in terms of the production on the power play, um, like with goals the, uh, four per sixty or goals four per sixty, which is kind of a funny. It's funny to I remember this was like kind of a, a valid point brought up. I think it was like Stephen Birch or something saying how there's per sixty stats don't really make any sense because no player ever plays sixty minutes a game. Like it should be like per twenty, so you can kind of get an average. Like that would kind of be close to like a per game number. Um, which I think is actually a valid point because really, power play numbers should probably be per like what five. I mean, but it's really that's really more about like just interpretability. I mean, it doesn't I know. really matter what you're doing in but terms of a rate just, stack. Yeah, but I'm same. saying like in the in that case, like four to one. Like if the top yeah, team you want to reduce sig figs. No, I know you do. So that's like the 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 benefit there is that the number numbers get bigger, which is easier to interpret, in my opinion. But if we look at what's funny is just also looking at these power play numbers, um, is that uh, Edmondson also leads in expected goals per sixty on the power play, but their actual Corsi four um, is twelfth among teams on the power play. There's like the the they're at four and a half shots per sixty on the power play or shot attempts for sixty, where the Rangers lead all teams at eighteen. Uh, you know, and but they don't they they have a and the Rangers I think are also like they're like third in terms of XG generation on the power. You're play. talking about Rapham impact. Rap, yeah. Yes. Well, the Rapham right, um, okay. team numbers, yeah. So right, this right, is, right. Just because like when you say like four uh, shot attempts, it's basically, a, it's like oh, it's or, above yeah. average, right? Yeah, it's I above average. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's above that. average. Clarifying point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so um, which it, is yeah, it's funny. I mean, I think that like you know. <laughs> that kind of that kind of makes me think about with like there's a lot of criticisms about well the public XG models in terms of not having passing data so you don't have like you know cross whatever cross crease passes and like whatever that like which is a valid which I I mean I very much wish that we had passes for like prior pass for every shot um, and location and time of that pass but that's beside the point is that even still in that case like the expected goals for Edmonton very much is tracking with their goals for if they're leading in both, which is kind of like a lot of the time power play goals are scored from prior movement, I would imagine, um, you know, just kind of my remembrance of watching any power play. Um, and that still shows in the power uh, in the expected goals. Now that probably doesn't track for each and every team, but it, it is something that still is kind of interesting seeing that on the um, show up in the in the numbers there. Yeah, and I, I just think it's fun and interesting because the Edmonton is clearly um, much like they're the Rangers are all volume, right? They're a team that shoots a lot on the power play, which I think we if you watch the Rangers, you kind of see that as they take a ton of shot attempts. The Oilers, though, they are very much kind of more of a setup team. Like they kind of rely on um, getting a good shot, getting in close, and obviously their value this year. I mean, the Oilers are. Like, I mean, this is how it's been with McDavid and Drysaddles. Like, they kind of, you know, you don't want to give more so than, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to think of the last team that was as dangerous in the power play as, like, Edmonton is this year. Prime, like, prime OV. Like, OV, yeah. yeah. I was going to say Ovechkin. Um, I think, like, Tampa in certain situations is always, like, a really scary, like, the really good teams. I mean, you know, like, the Bruins, you don't want to give them a power play either because they have, the you know, the Bruins. <laughs> the Bruins. <laughs> but uh, if we go on the flip side here, can you guess who is leading in expected goals against 
on the power play. <laughs> oh, but that's power yeah. play defense. No, I know. So the worst power play best. or best. Worst power play defense? Worst power play so that defense. That would be defending shorthanded rushes. Vancouver. Um, no. Vancouver is fourth. Um who's the worst? It might well, Sean might I don't know. If Sean thought hard about this, he as uh he might get it, but uh, Columbus. No, they're Columbus are but it's is. a good is it a good team? It is a good team. Columbus is second, so you're close. Like, is, my the, other, is it the Maple my other guess, It is the Maple Leafs. The board. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they uh they lead the league in expected goals against on the power play. Um and they're also that, I will say yeah. that when I had to make that model, the 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 shorthanded like the the special teams wrap them is such a headache. It just hurt my brain to be like process. It just you have to do it like four times. You have to copy each player four times because there's there's a power play, power play offense, power play defense, shorthanded offense, shorthanded defense, and it's a weird or no, not shorthanded, shorthanded offense, <laughs> shorthanded defense, power play offense, power play defense. It's a very weird thing. Yeah, but on the flip side, the Avalanche are the best team at preventing shots shorthanded, which is kind of a funny thing to think about about preventing. You mean shots. when they're on the Sorry, power play? When they're on the power play, so yeah. they give up the least amount of expected goals against. The the uh, the Red Wings, oddly enough, are second best. But yeah, I will say and that the, it Bru- was, the it, Bruins are third. It hurt my head when I was doing that, and this was meant like four or five years ago because it's just like you never think about that, like <laughs> like like shorthanded offense. Well, yeah, <laughs> I know, but like shorthanded, shorthanded def- offense. That's that's been a, that was like a no, huge topic in our in our um community. Yes, a couple of years ago, it was the what the uh, power, power kill, power right? kill. Power kill. And um and that but it was mostly power play defense that was giving me because it's that's a weird because I had to label them right so you have power play offense and power play defense but that's it's a, the concept of defending when you have a power play is really it didn't initially stick in my head when I was making that it's well, just yeah, it's a I'm, weird thing to, to like it's a minus too yeah oh yeah that's right because <laughs> well, you know like the weird rules of plus minus like that's uh. That would so a goal for on the power play does not count to your plus minus, but a goal against does. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, goal for I think shorthanded counts as a plus, but a goal against does not. Yes, I don't know. To be honest, I haven't thought well, about. Well, that was like Ovechkin back in like oh eight oh nine, right? He had like a negative. He scored like however many they scored however many goals on the power play, and he was like a negative. 10 or something like a negative five because all of the power play goals like there's some years where Ovechkin played the the amount of power play time he played was unbelievably high like it's it's so funny how I mean you want to talk about a power play merchant we've talked about you know uh, <laughs> about Ovechkin with the empty net goal merchant but you know here let me just let me well, just I take... was gonna say the other thing is that and just to ver- back me up here Luke if I go to the Rapham team tables, and I, I select sh- uh, strength of shorthanded because I wanted to see who has the highest shorthanded uh, quality. Um, it, XGF would just be the team's generation. Yes, that's how it should be. Now, I always <laughs> have to the, go. The Maple Leafs are also leading in expected goals for on the shorthanded. So they. So yes, that expected goals against when you go to shorthanded. No, for shorthanded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying if you're on the power play. The four, the F would be offense, and the A would be defense. Yeah, that's when they're on the power play. If you go to shorthanded, <laughs> are you having concussion symptoms? <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm just. Like, this always fall? screwed me up. Like I don't know why, but when shorthanded offense, it flips, so it's going the other way. 
which is it always hurt my brain. Well, it doesn't I don't know why. flip on the site though, right? So no, it yeah. doesn't. But like you have to, you have to inverse it with the outputs of the. Okay, it doesn't You're, matter. Look, but, okay, I'm not talking about what you have to do to make it look this way <laughs> on the site. I'm talking about what the site looks like, right? Yeah, For our users. So yes. <laughs> my point being, what's interesting is the Maple Leafs also lead the league in qual in XG generation, XG four on shorthanded. So, oh, so they're the ultimate power kill team. They, both well, way, both ways they give up the most quality or the the most XG when they're on the penalty. Uh, no, when, power when, play. when they're on the power play, when they're on the power play, yeah. they allow the most XG, and when they're on, when they're shorthanded, they generate the most XG in the league right now, which I think is kind of interesting. I don't know. I can't say that I've watched enough Maple Leafs games to really back that up. Um, it's because Marner plays both, right? Yeah. But short, the best shorthanded team this season uh, has uh, been, Islanders. Let's see. Um, no, no it's, it's Boston. It's, yeah, it is Boston. Okay, because Marshan's like the ultimate. There's not like. There's not like any players that you can really say are like consistently good at shorthanded offense, except for Brad Martian. Like that's the only consistent one I remember. I haven't. Were you talking about the best, the best penalty killing defense? No, he's talking about best penalty killing offense. Didn't he just say that was Maple Leafs? Yeah, but then yes, but the Bruins are the best shorthanded. Like they prevent the most. XG. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. right, right. Okay. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, you're correct. Defense. Oh yes, God. yes, you're correct. But if we look at, for instance, if I go to all career numbers for Gar and I just search for the, the best career shorthanded defense players in terms of most value added, it's it's Marshan by not by too much. I is mean, Hagelin still up there? Yeah, he's fourth. Okay. Uh, and then Chara is second. But again, he he's played. What's funny mm. is, oh, the, I have to break out this yeah. into. Uh, into different columns. Let me get the full time on ice breakdown. I wonder since 2007, who who's played the most time on ice shorthanded? I've never looked into this. Oh, well, yeah. Chara. Has played, <laughs> he's played 300 minutes more than the next player. The next player being Bo Meester, and then Duncan yep. Keith, a- Andy Green, Mark Stahl. Oh, yeah. That's who That's who the GMs want. They need yes. those guys. And of those, this they is a funny soak thing. up we, the shorthanded We haven't minutes. talked about this in a little bit, but... Um, like Bomeister has been a career negative ten uh, gar or shorthanded defense, um, where Charos leads the league in terms of overall. But in terms of non defensemen, because defensemen are boring, it's it's Marshan <laughs> and Hagelin, and then there's a pretty sizable gap. And then I think this is Sean's guy, Riley Smith, right? Big Riley Smith fan, are you? I don't know. No, I, it was Riley Nash. Riley Nash. Oh, okay. That's right. That was the. Oh yeah. I mean, then, I like Riley Smith. But. And then you know the the legend Michael Grabner. Um, <laughs> And then surprisingly, this is one that Luke will remember, and I remember this. Kyle Brodziak is fifth. Kyle Brodziak. I remember all. Kyle Brodziak. Yeah. yeah. Like I wouldn't. Oh, he no, was but... ultimate. He was a, he was a mainstay on the Wild Power. Uh, 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 spe- uh, he was on my hockey ended. ultimate team on like NHL 15 or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, that's what that was his role. He was. But this is another funny thing that's always. Um, I've always found interesting, and I think I've mentioned it on the podcast several times, is how like even strength defense does not equate. To shorthanded like defense. No, and we've talked about this before, right? Yeah, it's just it's a funny thing. But actually, also I think what was there? There's like offensive ability doesn't like correlate with defensive ability like at all. There's not like, but anyway, kind of some funny little tidbits here. I think if we look at just raw rates though, I think Riley Smith or Marcus Foligno might be the best like in terms of just. Value added, shorthanded. Yeah, um, actually, I was wrong about Ovechkin on the uh, power play in terms of time because um, I forgot about Kovalchuk. Um, but yeah, there's it's like Tobias Enstrom for Atlanta in 0708 as a defenseman had 465 minutes on the power play. Really? Yeah, 
And That's... then the, the next highest is Ovechkin in 0708. Now, <laughs> these are 0708 numbers, which, uh, as we may, may have said, is that sometimes I get the data in 0708 is, let's just say it was the first year they did this. <laughs> um, so it's kind of when you get down to strength states like that, it's, you know, there was a lot of shift errors, but I don't think it's a like a big deal. It's just like the, the, after that, it got it got way, but way, way, way better. So there's just a lot of things in the first season that like kind of get wonky. But I think that that was that kind of makes sense, um, just with how teams are um, kind of deploying, you, you know, units. I think I, I don't I don't know. I mean, I wasn't a hockey fan in 0708, so I don't know if Ovechkin. Do we know liter- if they had the tags at that point too? The you what? Know how, like hockey players have tags. What do you mean? So they wear like a tag that um, and I don't know if it's all related to like the tracking stuff, but they wear a tag and when they go on the ice, like it just automatically records that they're on the ice. Like there's nobody oh. that's like manually keeping shit. I, I think that that was a more modern addition, like where they have chips and jerseys or whatever they want to you want to call them. Right. Like I don't think in 2007, 2008 that that was happening. But right, like I, when did that come in? I don't know. That'd be well, a good question to ask someone. Oh, I don't know you know what? We Didn't ask. we bring this? That was like a couple of years ago. That was when the player tracking came in, I think. Right? Because um, we talked about it here on the podcast. Maybe this was last year, right? When the player tracking came in. With like the amount of like wicked short shifts. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that must have been that. Because like, yeah, I mean, now like the ta- they have the tags. Like you can't yeah. really have errors. And then... Um, I saw it. I mean, it was pretty cool. We talked about um, for the Leafs Bruins game um, a couple weeks ago. I sat next to the stack guys, and like, so I like heard them and watched them the whole game. Um, that like the guys that like track all the the uh, stuff, which for one, like they get more pumped up for the game than the players too. Like, they, got, like, <laughs> they got like pregame like handshakes, and and it's all funny. But like Charlie um, McAvoy. Uh, Chucky, as most people know him as, uh, <laughs> lost his tag and like they had to like manually. They're like seventy threes on the ice, and <laughs> the guy would be like, "I got it." You know, um, I'm very jealous. I wish that we can go and sit and watch their. You know, the, the debate of whether or not Justin Hole got his stick in to be able to get categorized as a block shot that lasted for two minutes was quite intriguing. Yeah. Um, so. It is uh it it is funny to think about cuz I have we have been um as we mentioned we are going through and and trying to prepare or working on reading our XG model and um there are quite a few I've been going back and like trying to catch like errors like shift errors um from the past that I like missed cuz like you know there's a lot and it's difficult to kind of catch them until you get things summed and I think that, that's a bit of an understatement cuz I don't know how many if people know how many shifts happen in the league there's a lot of shifts (laughs) but yeah back to sean's point just to remind people and this is something we've been kind of curious about with if they're going to basically at some point last season the number of stints started going way up and when i mean stints that like we say stint that's what separates our our rapa model design matrix so a, a stint is a period of time where no player substitutions are made and so what essentially happened is that they, at a certain point, it basically just turned on and the number of stints went way up, which essentially the way that, from what I could see, that in the past when they were not 
doing and for most of the data we have when like say three players changed they would kind of just group them all together in the same second of changing and then record it at the same second but with the new technology they have those say that like players go in like one two three right they go over the bench or come off the bench like with a second of separation and they're kind of a you know it's like a, a play like that it's now been broken out into multiple entries so it's not all of the players are grouped together and then they changed all at the exact same time right it's much more granular which leads to a lot more stints but most of the time from what i could tell those were um in like basically situations where like the teams re both teams are regrouping so like a, you know this is kind of what my hunch is is that it's basically like when a defenseman is holding the puck behind their own net and every the teams are changing right so it, it's it's not like impacting um things it's just an interesting kind of thing because it's like well that was didn't really it's kind of like nothing's happening time but it's just an interesting thing so we've been wondering if they're going to start implementing like I don't know, shot locations are going to be coming from the player. Like the shot locations that are prov provided to the public, like are those still tracked manually by hand or are they tracked, you know, coming from the the player tracking data the NHL has in place now? Because like, you know, if you've watched broadcasts and, broadcast, and this has been going on for like a year, like the, the graphics they're able to show in the games now are actually very impressive to me. Like when they show the puck, you know, and they show the puck in the track and the tail on it, and they show the players, like, you know, on the power play, they'll a lot of the time put, like, the names of the players over them, and you can see that moves with the player. And so, like, it seems like the infrastructure is in place now, um, and it's been in use for, you know, I don't know, about a year. So, I don't know. We're kind of hopeful. I really want to just get passes. I want just passes. Yeah, that, and that would be I, really cool. I think it'd that's be a lot of work, but <laughs> it would be super interesting. Yeah, I mean, one thing is that uh, on the other side is that I've been looking into um, just kind of some like, again, still rink bias stuff. I'll have more, I think, about that in a couple months or whatever. But um, there's also been an interesting trend, I think, overall in shot distance, which we we can maybe get into later. But it seems shot distance has definitely been. Uh, what decreasing like i think yes um like over year over year um and i don't know sean if you've noticed this or looked at it but i brought this uh, up to you i think i think i brought so. this up sea hack like i was in the so i took like a southwest flight i eventually like i'll learn my lesson and i'm again taking southwest to <laughs> seattle um in a few weeks um stopping in denver first and then going up there but i had my credit for my canceled flight so i had to use something anywho <laughs> So I was like in the Midway airport or something and I was like looking through and XG was like up significantly from last year. I was looking at 505 particularly. I yeah. don't know if you're talking all situations. But 505, like XG is up like over 2.6 now. Um, but like goals or like shot attempts or like goal scoring, I think have kind of come down or like have basically stayed stagnant. Well, and yeah, so it was like that was a weird thing. Yeah, I, and I this got brought up to us, and I've actually like again, uh, people will remember we talked about this before from a couple of years ago where there was a tracking issue. Um, I think it was in 2019, I, I believe, it may have been 2018, but I think it was 2019. Um, and so I have like a check here and there that I like will do just to kind of verify that like things look like they're in order. Um, and it's been kind of an interesting thing that I've been looking into. I think it's been a very very gradual thing that's been happening this season where um and i think at first i didn't think much of it 
Uh, and I still don't really know if it's something that is, uh, I think as we get into kind of training and, and redoing our XG models, I think we'll be able to maybe like kind of get a little bit more information about it. But um, definitely it's seen, and I think the, th- the problem for me is that there's like this season specifically, there are some, we know you can just watch, there are some specifically really bad teams. And there are, I think it's more than we usually see, like maybe more than we've had in since like, you know, 13, 14, 14, 15, might even be more. I mean, like, I think it's a little bit hard to really say for sure. Um, but one thing for sure is that it's like also shot distance has been increasing. Or, sorry, decreasing. decreasing. Um, as Luke always, I still <laughs> seem to may I say increasing, but which as shots get closer than that, the XG model generally says that goal probability increases. But goal scoring is also up this season as well. Um, I think shot attempts are up a little bit, but not too much. Um, and so it's, it's something that I think is interesting because there's some confounding factors, I think, with teams. I would assume there's also the fact that teams are you know, they're hiring more people, they're looking at the data more, they're getting smarter, quote unquote. Now, I, I don't know to what degree across the entire league, but, you know, if you just look at, you know, if, if you're just doing even like an entry level thing into hockey stats as a team and you kind of just look at the relationship between distance and goal probability, like if you see that and say, okay, well, we need to start trying to generate more shots, like we are closer shots, right? Like you could potentially see some kind of trend there. But I think that there may be some other things going on there that we're not able to really identify right now now i don't think to this point that it's really causing a big you know a a huge difference in especially in like the gar and rapa models i think some of the raw on ice numbers might look a little bit strange but we're also still halfway through the season so i would expect some of those are going to level off as well too um but yeah it is a weird trend that i think i will probably have a thread about or maybe write up something about that kind of just looks into it um because i don't think it's like a problem like i don't think there's anything necessarily that would cause the evaluation tools to be off it's just like an interesting trend that um we'll be probably dealing with i think we'll have more information about yeah and also i mean that that's kind of why i bring up the um you know uh the the player tracking data for shot locations because if they are starting to implement that um that would could also be you know maybe the manually tracked ones were like a foot further out and the new ones are a foot further in which when you're like you know seven or eight feet in front of the net or from the net like that's a very high the change from seven to six feet from the net is a very high change in xg um just based on how like they previously were recording it so that could be and um and i will but, say like that like looking into the distribution of shot distance especially close to the net hasn't really the actual shape like the density shape of like shots in the locations hasn't changed hardly at all it's just the magnitude and i think what we're seeing so far is that we're, we're seeing less point shots this season than we have in the past, and we're seeing more um, shots that are closer. Like, they're basically, I think, teams, I think you could potentially make an argument. Now, I, I think it's there's maybe a little bit of something else going on here, but there's also the possibility, I think we're starting to see teams are um, starting to, instead of just take random shots from the point, from, you know, big slap shots from defensemen, and I think this trend has been happening year over year for the last couple of years, I think shots are starting to get kind of pushed a little closer, or those shots aren't being taken at all. Because definitely looking at the distributions, we see a drop in, I think, point shots this season as well. So I don't know. This is a – we could have probably spent a whole segment talking about this. But, Sean, you looked like you were going to maybe say something. No, I was going to say, I do feel like that's been happening. Like, I do think that there is something, like, behind it. I don't think it's necessarily, like, a data change in yeah. the way that data is tracked or that there's necessarily, like, an error. Yeah. I think – but, like, I do – like, I do have an inherent – bias to i watch mostly um the bruins and the maple Leafs, right which are yeah. two teams with like really dynamic offenses so 
Um, yeah, and I, yeah, and two of the there. more robust data teams. And, and I, I can <laughs> just well. say, just from my observation, is like just watching games. Is I think that like what used to happen in the mid 2010s or even longer is that defensemen would line up like right on the blue line and take long shots, right? And, and they like, walk the blue and line. And they would walk the blue line and shoot from and there. Try but to I think you it know, used to be a power play strategy. Yeah, yeah. And they try to thread the needle through like seven guys. Yeah. You know, and I, and, so I, I think that what you see now is like a lot more mobile defensemen. Like you have like you know the Kale McCars and Adam Foxes and you know, whatever, right? Ben like Harper. Yes, of course. <laughs> Jared Spurgeon, obviously. Um, who Jared Spurgeon's always been very good at this as well. But the more mobile defensemen who are instead of taking these long shots, they're moving them closer or they're trying to generate closer. Or they're shots. skating the puck into the so zone rather I than think shooting. This is the same thing that I was kind of been trying to grapple with with rink bias as well, is there's some confounding factors in terms of like league changes that also might be overlaid with some potential tracking changes. And from what I can tell, now we're going to be completely redoing the XG structure and we'll probably have a lot more about that. It's not like the model is going to change too much, but it'll make it more modular and like easier to update for league environments, I think is kind of the point. The, the point. So when we get further into this, um, I think it's going to do a better job of accounting for league environment changes. Now, I think, again, like the evaluation tools on the site and all of our models are still, from what I can tell, um, you know, they standardize and they normalize. So they keep things kind of similar year over year um, or I guess com- for comparison. But there's some, yeah, there's some interesting trends well, that I yeah. think that we're still looking into. I will say also just to note is for our, our GAR and XGAR models, we when we can move from goal, the goals to standing points, which is GAR or goals above replacement to standing points above replacement, that just looks at how many goals it takes to um, normally it's it's it would be in baseball the stand the this is the first conversion that was done like which is basically what we do which is you take the number of runs that equal the, a one win so how many runs do you need to to get a win um, and then that's how they convert to WAR or wins above replacement but for standing points above replacement we use a linear regression over the past three years and the value of a goal right now is the lowest it's been like in the last since we have data like it's i think it's like the market s- tanked on stocks <laughs> yeah well yeah the goal yeah sell it's yeah. it's a little bit counterintuitive but the more goals that are occurring in the league the less costly they are to acquire because it's supply it's, and demand yeah yes. so it's easier to get goals in but basically like the standard you so, know, so the idea it. normally hockey like the, we haven't really seen this is that the scoring environments don't really change that much because we're kind of just looking at the modern era now if you were to go back to the 80s you know when goalies looked like skaters with the pads, they looked like they, you us. know they looked like me <laughs> uh <laughs> you know and then the, in the games or i don't even know what the historical games were but like the value of a goal would be even less in those environments and that's normally what you're trying to adjust for is you know era essentially it's an era adjustment and this is much more important in baseball with the data they have because they go back to like the 18 whatever 1890s when the game you know 120 years ago but um Right now, the va- like basically the goals to standing points, I think is like or goals to win is like six point one, and goals to standing points is like a little over three, like three point oh two, which is I believe the highest it's ever been. So, and that has nothing to do with XG. That just has to do with goal scoring. So, it is something that's like goal scoring is up 
you know, it's well, just, it, it, we can even look at just like a standard like goals per sixty for various things, and like at you know at all situations, um, goals per sixty this season is at point six three, which is the same as last season, but it was it's been up this year. But especially like one thing that's really interesting is if we just like look at power play because even strength has been kind of you know steadily rising, but power play goals per sixty this season are at one point five nine, and previously this is for all like the league, and last season it was at one point four nine. And then the season before was 1.41. So this is the highest that we've seen goals per 60 on the power play since 2007. And I think some of it is that I don't I don't actually really know what it is. Part of it might just be that we're at, you know, 45, 43 games or whatever it is for most teams. So there, we would maybe expect some things to change. But we're also in this weird tanking environment where we have a lot of teams <laughs> that are kind of maybe almost welcoming goals against, right? Like, so it, I don't know. Like, there's a lot going on, and it's hard to really kind of say – um, you know, what is the cause? But it's some interesting stuff, I think, that we'll... Uh, we could ramble about this forever. We should have just started this segment about <laughs> this. But uh, I'll probably have something up maybe in this coming week about it, kind of, like, looking into it and showing what we're seeing. Because I think it is interesting, um, you know, and, uh, yeah, it'll be pretty interesting. But I, I think that we're... Uh, or I hope it's interesting. I shouldn't say uh, up front. <laughs> well, it would be interesting to us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting well, to me, nonetheless. Um, but I think we're getting kind of close to the end of, uh, we are getting close on time. Y'all were talking like Minnesotans there. <laughs> um, oh, we got a, a nice bookend reference. We don't get those very often. I know that was at the very beginning of the episode. We'll now bring we it to... all full circle. Yeah. Wait, what? Well, we, started... we opened with talking about how Minnesotans talk very fast. And you're ending the, ep- the episode with us talking about how we talk very quickly. Don't does that? Yeah, I like I like how you switch to the adverb right there too. Like you're like my brother doesn't has never heard of an adverb. <laughs> what you know, know you use adverbs to describe verbs and fast yes. as an adjective. You can't use that to describe a verb. Wait, what did I say? No, Wait. Luke said. Um, oh, you're that saying you're that we the Minnesotans fast. talk very fast, and then you weren't about to say fast. You were about to say fast, and then you switched it to quickly, realizing oh. that you needed an adverb. Oh. <laughs> Anywho, that's a very uh, northeastern um, correction of me. Anywho, no, that's very um, funny. I didn't definition of fast. It says on <laughs> MacmillanDictionary.com. Definition of fast is Lightning McQueen. No adverb. It says <laughs> fixed man. Oh, on fast, quick, Luke, or quickly. Luke, 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 Luke. Luke. It says Luke. on here on the Cambridge Dictionary, fast and it quick means adverb. Fast and quick mean moving with great speed. Fast is both an adjective and an adverb. That's what it says on the... On no. The, that's what it says. Ooh, Sean's getting corrected here for I'm correcting I'm just saying, us. I would think quickly uh, quickly sounds better, so I'm that's why I go with it. the lees with the yeah, adverb. That's why also, I said yes, it. I know what an adverb is. It modifies a verb or it describes a verb, whatever. You know, I Language actually, is whatever you want it to be. You can <laughs> say any word, really. Yeah, it's what you want it to be. Yeah. You have what you know, and then you have what comes out, and they can be different, and that's fine. When I was in sixth grade, there's this teacher. The English teacher was Miss Karras on on our team. They split us up in they split our middle school up into two teams. I was on Amethyst, and it was Miss Karras. And like to start every class, you'd have like a grammar. Um, I guess it would be like you'd have to like make grammar corrections, like a sentence or like a short paragraph. And it was like infamous. Like she would be screaming at kids. It was like college level. Like I never reached that level of English ever again in my entire <laughs> life. Like, and that was like sixth grade. Like she was on like college level stuff and she would scream at us. So my grammar, like I just never paid attention to English class, like from that point on. 
because like I was like, this is just isn't worth it. Like I don't want to get to like Miss Karis's level here, like caring about English. Here's and, here's yeah. Here's what I'm gonna say. The Cambridge Dictionary, there is a there is a fast, comma, quick or quickly question mark. And it says fast and quick mean moving at great speed. Fast is both an adjective and an adverb. Quick is an adjective, and the adverb form is quickly. So it says you walk very fast. It would not be you walk very fastly. It's you walk very fast, and then we should do it as quickly as possible. But it doesn't sound. No, you're right. It doesn't sound good. I know, but I'm saying quickly versus so it doesn't matter. Like so, I here I think it's like if you're talking like purely of like an object that's associated with the adjective. Then I think it fast works. The car is moving very fast. I think because cars are go known fast. To move cars fast, go fast, right? Yeah. yeah. But I think when you're talking about speech, which isn't necessarily like aligned with this um, perception of quickness, then like I don't think fast is like the proper adverb to use. Then I, I would just I, that's no, that's fair. But if I was this is more aesthetics than it is right than correct or elo- eloquence. Yeah, but I think like it's all in the details. <laughs> like I think that's what wins you stay in the cups at the end of the day. Like if anybody's to learn anything, I think that is what what gets you stay in the cups is is really focusing in on the small details. And I think how it it. Sa- how uh, a sentence sounds is an important yeah, detail. Josh, Josh, he nailed it on the head here need. by saying eloquence. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's I, a, a uh, fluent or pervasive persuasive speaking or writing. So it would be yeah. I've if you were to elo- speak eloquently, right? As an adverb, that's an adverb. If you would like yeah. to speak eloquently, you would use quickly in that situation instead of fast. Yes. It's a it, it's a it sounds better, I think. I always got elegant and eloquent mixed up. I did up. too, and that was one of the things I had to go look up because I would enunciate I would... it. How do you enunciate that? <laughs> no, I'm just <laughs> anyway. Anywho, yeah, we're going a little you're bit looking, long here. You're very but hopefully looking... people learned the uh, secret of winning a Stanley Cup tonight. <laughs> yeah, um, Sean, I will say you are looking very elegant uh, and you speaking very eloquently. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not, but yeah. Um, well, also, I I've see that you have. Is that does that that sign say Bruins Nation? Yeah. Did you is that, that one you've never had your your camera pointing to that? All I can oh, see is B R and then N A, and I was like, I bet that says Bruins Nation. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it says Bruins Nation, and there's like a Dungy Hamilton poster over here, and a Tory Crew poster over here. I thought I got for the a second. David Krejci 1000 game one. I got to get somewhere. Um, anywho, do you see the Grateful um, Dead T-shirts from the Wild that they're coming out in a couple months? I got. Do you go know who the Grateful Dead are? Sean doesn't know the Grateful Dead. Unfortunately, are. I do. But oh. Um, <laughs> oh come on! Oh come on! Recipes, Jerry Garcia. Yeah. You know what I mean? All right, sorry. Con- continue, Sean. Anywho's, um, yeah, I guess we'll be back next week. Hopefully, I don't get sunburnt in Florida, and uh, hopefully, something fun happens. So, hopefully, we have some good news this week. Last week was really yes. Um, bad news week so maybe something good will happen yeah um but we'll be back uh next week anyways all right take it easy yeah thanks sean